All right, today is February 21st, 2019. And I and you are going to continue the conversation that we began in our last episode, opening up the question of the questions related to um, the book Transfigurations. And um, we're going to just creatively free play with the text itself and see what comes out at us in terms of free association and free awareness. So um, I want to start with the heart prayer. Um, Hang on. Hey. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm making a recording right now. Can you call me back in a little while? Okay. All right. Bye. Live broadcast. I love it. Go ahead. Town calling on his way home from work? Yes, exactly. Really? Yeah, always. Same time. Yeah. No, that's fine. So I want to begin with a, a heart prayer um, by uh, Ilana Strait from the Hebrew Priestess Prayer Book. It's called Heart Prayer. And this is a prayer for not only the two of us in this conversation, but everyone who will hear our conversation um, and the people who will be touched in ever expanding circles by it. May this heart be held by the heart of the world and feed the roots of the world. May this heart's joy become the roots of the tree of life. May this heart move with the moon, be blessed by the tides, be at the center of all peacemaking. May this heart provide the rhythm for dancing. May this heart be healed by all of the crying of the world, nourished by all the belly laughter of the world, blessed by all the beauty of the world, received in every moment. May this heart be awakened tenderly and gently all the days of our lives. May this heart and may all creation be blessed. May this heart be blessed, be the best and most blessed heart in our rib cages. May we be wholehearted. So it's in the spirit of wholeheartedness that I want to pick up um, on December 2nd, 2015, with the paragraph that begins. Harmonics and resonance of the soul are one. And specifically, ask you to start with your thoughts on this incredible line. Transfiguration is one's acceptance of one's divinity as a creative emergence. Okay. So what do those words mean to you when you read them? What gets triggered for you when you read those words? Well, I think acceptance of one's divinity um, 
is in some ways for me, it's, it's both at the heart of the practice that is this book, the praxis that is the book, is the recognition and acceptance of one's divinity. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is a continuous process unfolding, hence the term transfiguration and emergence. Mm -hmm. The always coming out of the yeah. always expanding and changing. Mm -hmm. So expand upon that in terms of what that suggests in terms of human experience. It suggests to me that most of us walk around most of the time asleep. No. Asleep to this reality and have glimmers of that. It's difficult to articulate it because the divinity of the self kind of belies where the rest of the book goes because ultimately the idea that there is a divinity and there is a self and that these are somehow disparate or in any way separate beings that this process brings together. No, this is about revealing. Yes. So it's, it's about peeling away. And it, you know what comes up for me is this really strange line. I think it's in Deuteronomy um, that talks about um, in order to enter the Holy of Holies, mm -hmm. you have to circumcise the heart. Mm -hmm. And people are kind of really put off by that imagery, understandably so. What the text is trying to get at is the idea that when you get past being a seeker mm -hmm. and you realize that the path of seeking is just another path mm -hmm. and come to be in the fullness of being, that process really is about sort of peeling away, opening up, allowing things to become transparent, or as you often say in the text, diaphanous. Mm -hmm. So in terms of that, what does creative emergence really mean in terms of being human? What is actually emerging through oneself in terms of becoming self-conscious and accepting oneself as a creative emergent being? Well, you know, it's interesting that you even say it that way because what I thought you were about to say was um, you said as a creative emergent being. Mm -hmm. And I actually would just uh, uh, prod you a little bit on that to say that it's not even actually a creative emergent being. It is the very action of creative emergence that is the being. Yep, that's that's uh, that's a more accurate way of saying it, and that's in fact an expression of truth that isn't bound to the ma manipulations of time and space. It is recognizing that in the essence of your being, whether you've lived once or whether you lived ten thousand times, you have been coming to this point where you are being transfigured in the very moment of your awakening to recognize that none of this has been an accident. All of it's been intentional. 
and it's designed to bring you from a deep and profound sleep into a newer state of awareness, which means in terms of self-realization, you're a being who is quite capable of working directly with the greater powers of creation itself. So we're never alone until we wake up and realize that we've been dreaming and coming out of the dream, we recognize the truth of, been, the truth of who's been there with us as we emerge as a creatively emergent being. I mean, it's as if God created us, but the way in which he created us wasn't about punishment and pain and sin and negativity. It was he planted the seeds of our own awakening through the presence of the Lord, through the presence of the Father, through the presence of Uncle Sam, whatever word you want to put in there is whatever word you're going to put in there. But it's about realizing that you are a completely self-responsible being, responsible and therefore being the revelation of your own awakening. Everything goes back to that act of initial contact with something that's greater than yourself no matter what world you're living in, no matter what culture you're living in, no matter what belief system that you have, there is something that pulls you beyond all of that into something that made you look deeper, look wider, and to accept more than you were quite possibly able to understand. And that, 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 that key is self-transcendence. Right. Do you think that from your... Um I was going to say from your point of view, but even that, I feel a little... No, yeah, exactly. All right. ...that language, because it's a conversation we were having before we started recording about infinities perspective on infinity being a perspectival. Right. It's, it's you know, the, the role of language here gets, um, gets complicated. So what I was going to ask was... <laughs> yeah, that's putting it mildly. Do you do people come to this kind of material, and and we keep calling it a book, and I just I feel like that's giving the material such short shrift in a way, because um, people who are listening can't see what I'm sitting in front of, you know, one third of my very rich and amazing library, and I wouldn't classify this document or this. I guess I would say it's an experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, that it's a process happening. It's not, I mean, I know you have a hard bound copy, um, but it's not exactly the kind of book that you open and read as if you're reading any other book. It's more. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a James Patterson novel. <laughs> no, no, but you should only make that kind of money. Book. Yeah. Um, so, so I think about, I guess I'll just call it the text for now, the, the experience, the process that is this. Do people, do you think, come to this only when the soul is ready and receptive? Or do you think... No, they come to it anyway, whether or not the soul is ready to accept it. So and... Wanna sort of like saying like in 
my life, I've had a lot of experiences with, I've had some near-death experiences myself, but I've also dealt with people who are in the possibility of transitioning and leaving the planet. And I observed a number of things about those people, um, particularly the women that I saw were in the process of transitioning. And it was as if a life review had begun for them before they left the body. And, you know, where all of the grammatical stops in life are, they were looking back at the, at the end of it and looking at the paragraph of their life and going, that makes sense. Now I understand what that was. So it's like recovering all the elements of yourself that have been unconscious and living through the dream world of three-dimensional reality and waking up in the middle of the dream and going, oh, wow, I was having a lucid dream. And the lucid dream is about me and how I create and how I created this self-revelation about myself. Everybody has those experiences, but they don't happen in a linear fashion. They happen when they're ready to emerge. And when they emerge, it comes out in a perfect expression of what is part of your unfolding and the unfolding of yourself. So... I could have a dream when I was 19 years old, but I didn't understand it till I was 65. Why? What happened in between? I had to understand the purpose of the dream that I had when I was 19 to see it in terms of the fullness of my life. And I had to obviously go out and live the fullness of my life to put that paragraph into order. So uh, a great phenomenologist by the name of Eugene Minkowski, who wrote a great book called Live Time, said, for most people, death is the end of their narration. And people who go to funerals are celebrating the end of the narration. Like, you know, he, he lived a good life. He was a good man. He didn't do anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the reality of it is, in terms of who you are, in terms of your soul, the narration keeps going, even though you're not in the body and you're not attached to the physical world. It gets carried on. That's, that's why in this age, the emergence of the Akashic records, of the soul records, have become an important part of people's spiritual development because they recognize that they've lived more than once. They've lived many times and in many ways. And that there was a reason for that as well. Like, why did I live this life in this manner in this way? Well, because you were in the process of waking up from this dream and understanding what the nature of experience really is. And the nature of experience is spiritual self-awareness. That's the key. Now, does that happen in a linear fashion? No, it happens, as you said, it's aperspectival. It leaps all over the map inside of yourself because you have an inner world, an inner consciousness of who you are. And working through the process of awakening to that, um, can be quite challenging because something that happens when I was 22 didn't make sense until I was 62. Um, but when I got it, when I understood it, I recognized that I created what I was experiencing and thereby creating the possibility of transcending whatever it was that I was going through in order to become more fully present and to experience things through the nature of the heart the heart being a multidimensional phenomenon in terms of spirit, 
being able to enter into that and to be able to complete that for myself, whether it was once or 10,000 times, it doesn't really matter because time and space don't matter to this process. What matters is recognizing the revelation of yourself coming forward and being able to speak from the multidimensional of the heart and sharing the multidimensional of the heart throughout all of your existences and with all the people that you shared that with. Is there anything right or wrong about that? Not really. Although human beings want to say that there is, but there really is nothing wrong with that. You know? I mean, aren't right and wrong kind of, I don't want to say they're categorically irrelevant, but as a model for the judgment of experience, I mean, obviously we don't advocate hurting anyone, but the, the idea of looking at this process through the lens of right and wrong seems like the wrong tool. It's an inadequate tool. You know, it's like it's like trying to fashion an object from broken bones and trying to put all those broken bones together again and say, you know, we created a new tool. Uh, we can cut through skin with this and, and through an animal and do this. That, that's that's like living in Paleolithic times and having the ability of being a Paleolithic person because you're looking at the, the symbols of yourself, but you don't recognize them for what they are. And, and I think that that's a real key element in terms of like surpassing the notion that we're evolving from somewhere and we're going towards somewhere and we're going to create new ideologies, new religious principles, new philosophies uh, to get us to that point. The point being that we've been at that point all the time. We've never left that point. So is it a perception that we've left that point? No, I think, I, I don't know that we left that point, but it's like, um, is, it a, is it like a false perception? Oh, false perception? Yeah, but then the question becomes, why did we create a false perception? What level of... Yeah, no, well, the question then becomes, if it's a false perception, why did we create a false perception? And what we were trying to learn there in terms of the truth. So even the experiences that would seem to take us away from the creative emergencing. I'm, I've tried desperately to keep things in, in verb, verb state and process state rather than noun state. Mm -hmm. Even those experiences that would seem to layer over that point that turns out that as you live at that point, turns out it's not a point because inside of it, if you look at it through the microscope, it's 